Are you having a hard time finding a good book to read about Twin Peaks? Did you finish binge-watching Twin Peaks in quarantine, and now you're looking for more? If so, we have the book for you. Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the book. Based off the popular show from the 1990s, read about the making of each episode from over 100 cast and crew members. This book covers Season 1, Season 2, Firewalk With Me, and Season 3. But wait, there's more! This book has commentary from the community and the host from the wildly popular podcast Twin Peaks Unwrapped. Order now! Supplies are very limited. Only $25.99 plus shipping and handling. Go to bluerosemag.com today. Welcome to this week's edition of Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Brian Kazaskin. Beside me, as always, is... Ben Durant. Hello, Ben. Hi, Brian. How are you? Good, good. How's it going? Good, good. Life is all right. It's going well. Um, so we're doing something a little different today. Yes, we are. Like It seems like every other couple of weeks, we are always doing something a little bit That's different. That's true. Which we is like, great. We to mix it up. Yes, we do. <laughs> and everything, and just so everybody knows, if I talk about the killer of Twin Peaks, we're... Today's well, you tell everybody what it's about, but in this timeline, I know who the killer is. So if I have to compare this to Twin Peaks in any way, that's true. Um, I want everybody to know. Do you think you'll be talking about the killer in this show? No. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to get that out. I don't know. All right. What well, I that's feel right. I have Spo- to tell everybody. There's a spoiler for no reason to have a spoiler. Yeah, but I know. That's all right. But I might compare it. So okay, I don't know. that'll work. So what are we doing today, Ben? So tonight, today we're going to be talking about Mulholland Drive, David Lynch film. Yeah. And uh, the reason we're doing that is that we thought we thought we could talk about it now since uh, there's a new Blu-ray coming out. This week, right? This week, yeah. October 27th. <clears throat> it's the uh, Criter- Criterion Collection. How do you say that? Criterion. Criterion. Yep, you All got right. it. I got it. So yeah, it's it's going to be a 4K. I mean, it's supposed to be a really wow. nice... Uh, Blu-ray, David Lynch worked on it and uh, had some extra interviews and all that. So, But I thought, hey, w- there, you know, there, that's coming out. Why not talk about it? And, and I've never seen it. Yeah, so what was that like? I mean, so you want to go into it? Do you want to say what, did you, what were your thoughts about it? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Am I not prepared for this, Ben? Um, no, I'm very prepared. Well, no, I've never seen this film. I've always wanted to see the film. I've seen the cover. I remember when it came out. I remember you 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 you'd be flipping through Showtime and yeah, so there'd be the, clips of it. And... It's weird. This summer, this summer, I was flipping through the movie channels like Showtime or whatever, and I would see moments of this movie, and it would say Mohan Drive, and I said, "Oh, I really got to DVR this sometime and watch this." But then I, when we started this podcast, you had mentioned we had talked about this midsummer, our plans, and yeah. Mohan Drive came up. So I was like, well, I'll be watching this for our podcast. And I, I've seen, you know, the guy spitting out the cappuccino with no reference. And still, there's no reference. Yes. Um, I've seen the old people driving in the car with extremely happy faces. Yep. And I've also seen the opening credits where there's people dancing to 1950s music. 
And I was like, oh, none of this makes sense in my mind. Why? What am I seeing here? Just fragments. Yes. And the movie feels like a fragment. Um, Tell, but I think what we're thinking of doing, I mean, we're going to have some guests on uh, today. Yeah. And, uh, but why don't you just talk about what is your theory or your understanding of the film? And then I'll go into maybe mine. Yeah. We and I, sh- saw yeah. It, I saw it in theaters. So I think that's uh, 2001. It came out in theaters. Wow. I, I, I'm sure I saw it the first weekend yeah, <laughs> because yeah. I had to see it. And yeah, stuff. yeah. So yeah. And, and it, I feel like it's been maybe 10 years since I've seen the DVD. So I did – I rewatched it to, to familiarize myself with it and stuff. But, you know, yeah. just to make that, 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 that loose Twin Peaks connection, um, Sherilyn Fenn – uh, uh, was ta- there was talk about in around 1990-91 of maybe doing an Audrey spinoff. And the idea was that she would go to California and there would be mystery. And so it was loosely in, kind of ba- – it was loosely kind of on Mulholland yeah, Drive. But, yeah. I mean, it took nine years later for David Lynch to actually, you know, take that idea and make it into a pilot for ABC. And, uh, you know, that got, re- that got rejected. Yeah. And he was able to take that and turn it into a, a feature film. And – you know what though? Uh, because I, I remember you telling me this prior to seeing the film, and in the back of my head, I was watching this, going, I could see, I kind of feel like this could be an Audrey. Mm. Um, when th- those two were together, I kind of felt like, oh, this could be an Audrey and her friend adventure. Sure, you know, like I kind of had Donna, that- Donna Audrey, the yeah, lost episode, the lost because you kind of in, in, yeah. in the in the series, you kind of had this idea that Donna and Audrey. We're gonna get together and do cases together or something. They never really—they were in the bathroom smoking and like, oh, let's compare notes and let's solve the mystery of Laura Palmer. And but it, then they went off on their own. Yeah, yeah. Um, but definitely. Um, so, okay. I'm I'm not gonna know everybody's name in the movie, so I'm probably gonna just say actors or that okay. guy. But my favorite scene is the um, the diner. Um, when the guy is talking about the dream, mm. um, it was kind of cool because it reminded me of Twin Peaks about a dream. There's yes. a dream, and then I'm like, okay, is this dream gonna connect the movie for me? Is this dream a reference? What is this dream? And then you see the guy at the counter, and then was that a dream? Was he having a dream when he sees that that that? He said he had two dreams as well. Yeah, yeah. and he had that. That crazy person, homeless, like, yeah. monster behind the garbage right. bin. And it did scare me when it peeked out. I was like, oh, <laughs> what is that? Um, so that was a really cool scene. And there's a lot of twos in this. Is You got the two people. You got Naomi Watts playing two different people. And you have two dreams. You have a cowboy if you see him twice. Then the cool, the, um, it reminded me of Pulp Fiction because you had it. The book ends with the diner, and I kind of felt like twin, uh, Pulp Fiction told that story out of order. Then I mm. kind of felt like, well, is this movie out of order? Is it giving me bits? And I have to piece it together. It didn't click. It's two hours and 28 minutes or whatever. Around that mark of after two hours, hitting the, you know, I got 20 minutes yeah, the last left. Ha- yeah. It clicked. Like, I was like, oh, she's too... Oh, that's not her. That maybe she's fantasizing. Maybe that's who she wants to be. Or you know, and then um that scene in the very beginning of the movie where you just see the camera fall to the pillow. Hmm. And then at the end, she kills herself. 
Is yeah. that the scene? Those are the bookmark scenes. Yeah. Is that all in between? She she wanted to be this person because also in the beginning you meet that clumsy uh, hitman guy, and which was very comical. And I love that scene too. It was really Jacob cool. from uh, Jacob from <laughs> Lost. Yes. And there's a scene where he's leaving the diner. And he's with Naomi Watts as the junkie girl. But is it Naomi Watts as the junkie girl? It looks just like her. And I wasn't sure because... I thought the same thing rewatching it. Was it her or was that a different woman as the junkie woman? Are you In saying that, Na- Naomi Watts it, it, it appears as though she now is the junkie woman? Yeah. Or? Well, and, and later in the film, that's Naomi Watts buying the hit. And the guy goes, here's yeah, the yeah, key. Yeah, 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 yeah. In the... Later in the movie, beginning of the movie, you see him, this other guy, leaving right. the diner. It's a different actress. It's a different, oh, it's it a, is? It's a different girl. All right, all right. But I never I, looked back it's a, it's a different girl, but I was wondering, you know, is that another, is that, is that really her? Like, yes. is that really, I mean, it, yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Was that really her? Um, so, okay, the, what, what I got out of it was the woman who died that they find was was her was Naomi Watts mm-hmm. and maybe she was fantasizing about being that woman she was in love with that girl the actress who um get in the car who got in the car accident and i think she she Naomi Watts character went down a dark path and they weren't in love anymore well, she so ex- Rita i think we call Rita, her Rita yeah, yeah. she was the actress yeah she went with someone else and i also feel when she was Okay, they had sex, then they went to and saw that musical, and then it shows them going to have sex again on the couch, and she kicks her out, or she, we can't do this? I almost feel like she wasn't even there. No, I, no, she definitely wasn't there. That was, and that was her, because then they show her crying, and I read, um, I heard about Norman Watts saying how um, during that scene, when you know she's on the couch and she's thinking of her and she's crying mm. and she she said she felt humiliated when she did that scene and David Lynch was um like she was cursing David Lynch out during that scene because and the whole crew be the, was there. She might be the first actress to curse him out over and, things like that. Very uncomfortable. I mean, yeah, it's, it's really it was good. uncomfortable to watch yeah. and it was like this is awkward. But I get it. I and mean, I guess he kept. He recorded the whole thing and would, you know, a, a part of that showed up on screen. And, um, and I think Norman Watts in hindsight realizes, you know, what he was trying to do. But maybe at the time she was new. This is like her first film or one of her first yeah, exactly films. Her early, yeah, one of her she, first yeah. She said during the filming of this, she wanted to quit acting. And mm. uh, Nicole Kidman talked her out of it. Wow. Um, like this movie almost like, I wouldn't say broke her, but maybe it was just sort of like she, she was trying to get her foot in the door of acting, and she was broke. Yeah. And this movie was just kind of probably bizarre to her. I I mean, I don't really know, but what I read was Nicole Kimmon talked her back into staying with it. Don't quit. Yeah. You know? Um. So, I mean, yeah. Like, so I figured that out near the end. Right. So that dead woman they saw, was that was her. Mm-hmm. But then I'm like, well, then who was the who was the meek, the 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 prim and proper? Was that Naomi Watts before she turned into that? Was that her the transition? I don't know. See, then I get confused. See, making it simple, like before we we got yeah, we did the show, 
we keep it simple. But then when you dig deep, oh yeah, even my brain gets right. confused. I'm like, what am I talking about? Yeah. Do you want me to share what? Yeah, I, I kind of feel like you should give me what you're because maybe I can connect the dots with yeah. that. No, I'm not getting into any any. I'm not. I'm thinking this is all my own thoughts that I've been thinking about for years. And uh, I mean, I think it's keeping it simple. I really feel like it's a story about a naive woman who wants to be an actress. I think she says that um, her gr- was it her aunt her, or aunt. Gr- her aunt left her money, and so she came to California to pursue her dreams of being an act- actress mm-hmm. and stuff. And so she goes in there, and she's she, she think I think she just thinks that she's she's gonna make it. She's gonna be a movie star and like everything. And she she goes for this role, and she, and the director doesn't notice her and. And basically, um, try, it's hard because you try to figure out what names are. I know. I'm I mean, it is is Camille? I'm trying to remember. Well, Rita, Rita is the character at the beginning. Uh, IMDb. It, if you bring it by IMDb. Oh, you have. It's all still that. hard. It's still hard. So, anyways, yeah, she basically yeah. loses the part. She doesn't get the part, and yes. she and she really is a wash up. She never really becomes a star, and mm-hmm. I think she always cling, clings to that. Uh, to thinking that I could have been somebody, I could have been a movie star. I could have been so, you know. Yeah. And and so I think, so I think a lot of this is this fantasy that. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I think it might even been a fantasy that she she was she had an affair with this uh, this uh, movie star woman. You're and stuff. right. That but, could have been totally a fantasy. Yeah. So I mean, I think a lot of it is that, and then <laughs> this whole thing with the older people. I think to me that is. The, the older people at the beginning and then at the end there's the older people coming at her and she kills herself I really think that's a reference to the idea that like a lot of times actresses when they get older especially unfortunately women they don't get roles as much mm-hmm. so it's one of those things where there was where I, well she's Diane or she or I'm trying to remember what her name she goes by Betty at the beginning but I think her name I, is Diane at the so, end because Diane was the waitress but was that her name as well? Yes, it became Diane later. Then I'm like, is I she know, the it's waitress? So hard to keep track of. So they see they show you the the name of the waitress. Yes, it's Diane, and then later on, she's Diane. Yes, and then well, I'm like, the other thing too is she's sitting in the same. No, she isn't. She's not sitting in the same spot. I was gonna say she was sitting in the same person spot where the guy was saying the telling the dream but he was she was actually across that but she did see the guy who who had those that weird dream and stuff. Maybe it was his dream. Maybe, but, and, I, and the whole thing with the bum, I kind of uh, the bum is is a parallel to um, Rita, where Rita's outside and she mm-hmm. has no place to stay, and and we so we kind of go back and forth. But yeah. I really think it, again, it's the main character where I think she probably didn't have a lot of money. She she, it, 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 she didn't make money becoming a movie star. So I really feel like keeping it simple. This is a story about you know the business that you go to you go to Hollywood and you think yeah. you're going to make it big. Yeah. And, you know, you have to do – and, and, the, and the, the things you have to do to maybe get a part, I mean, I hate yeah. to think that's true, but that you may have to almost sleep with somebody to that, get the part. I You hear enough stories that it is true. Yeah. You know, uh, where women are coming out saying right. – female actresses saying, you know, they were manhandled right. or they, they were offered to do something and they decided right. not to and they didn't get the part. And that, that that's a sad reality. Yeah. Um, but also, when you you said about the uh, the aunt and uncle, the um, the her aunt and uncle, I'm imagining. I thought so too. It was weird. I mean, they were like grandparents. They, yeah, they're so, like grandparents, but they they play they play things with us at the beginning of it with the whole dance sequence that you see them. Yeah. But then you, she gets off the plane, and I thought that was her, the woman as well. And they're just saying hello, and they go in their separate ways. Yeah, they so get in their cab. They're all happy, but oh, then yeah. at the end, right. they're very small, and they crawl out of. 
So I think again that's that she, that's her fears of being old and I mean that's what I just think mm. is that fear of like I'm I'm done. I'm, there's nothing left to my life. I can't. Yeah, I can't yeah. get apart. And the one, you know, I could have been this woman if I had gotten the. And then the, I, that's what I'm thinking. She she has all these fantasies and stuff, and she makes it in her head to be that like it's a conspiracy. There's people out there. Yeah. I was supposed to get the part, and the director did made eye contact with me, and he loved me, but he was forced. He was forced to to go with somebody else by the cowboy. By the cowboy and the whole and, and the network no, but, and stuff. But they, by the network or but not the, the network. The, the cowboy. The, film studio. the cowboy. I kind of feel like almost was saying, pick the right girl. But if you don't, you're gonna see me twice. And you saw three him. times. No, I think he's actually said three times. If you see, he said, if you do it right, if you do what I ask, you'll see me twice. And if you if you don't do it, was it, it that? I thought it was three, once and twice. I think it's three times. I think it's three times if you don't do. Because I know we, I know you had mentioned to me you didn't see him again. But yeah, well, you see him at the party, right? And I don't know if I blinked and didn't see him. Yeah, <laughs> you you at, least saw, you at least saw him twice. You at least saw him twice. Yeah. See. Um, well, the only reason I saw it was once or twice is because I was reading stuff and someone said, well, he saw him twice. Hmm. So that means it's bad. I, I don't really. We we'll have to look, to, we'll have to look that yeah. up. But yeah, I mean, so was the cowboy pointing that he should not pick her? Well, again, I just, yeah. Really? He was saying don't, he was saying I, uh, the director, Adam, is sitting down yeah, and they yeah. take out a folder and they're saying Camilla, who is a blonde hair a uh, woman that that blonde hair that he picked this girl. This is the girl that's going to be in your in your, in your film in your film and stuff. And so that's that's what the uh, main character Diane Betty, whatever we're calling her, is basically thinking in her head that like, oh, I should have got that part, but because of how conspiracy you know studios do things, I didn't get the part, and it's wrecked my whole life. My whole life is destroyed because of this one part. The interesting thing is a. Uh, um, when you know when this was a pilot for ABC, ABC was not for the two main characters, like they, for the actors. That they, they were thinking, they were telling Lynch, "I don't know if we should be going for Naomi Watts and stuff like that." Really, which is crazy because, like, I mean, she's amazing and yeah. stuff. Yeah, she's this. a great and, actress. Yeah, but it, but it, but it's funny that like in real in the real life we have ABC saying these things and. And I don't know. I don't know if he had even if Lynch had even created this, or he waited till we got to the film and started this storyline of you pick the right girl and stuff. But mm, yeah, right. That because I mean they were she was kind of a nobody at the time. So maybe her being on ABC and it's funny because she became you know she did other things. Oh yeah. But yeah, I mean maybe they took that into consideration. I I wouldn't put it past Lynch yeah, to do yeah. that and stuff. And but, then yeah. what do you think about so? The guy with the dream, he's, but then he sees that person in the back, and then he faints, mm-hmm. and the other guy catches him. I mean, what was that representing? What was that, like, what I mean, I think, think that is, I think, to me, that, so I looked at the representation of the old people as that fear of you're getting old and you're washed up. Mm. Again, the bum, I feel like that you're afraid of that, like, I'm not going to make it, and I'm not going to have money. Like, mm. I think a lot of times you want the power, you want the money, you want you want to be that star. And so to yeah, me, yeah. that that bum was about, you know, the opposite of success. This yep. is the opposite of, of of having money and being famous is to be you are you have no home, 
and you have nothing and stuff. Yeah. And I think I I really feel at the end of the movie she was very lonely. I mean, I she was mm-hmm. she had nothing. Her girlfriend, which if it was you know, her girlfriend came to pick up her things and basically want didn't want nothing else to do with her. Oh, okay. So that was her her real girlfriend. The person who picked up the dishes, the yeah. one who traded but well, well, in the beginning, we traded apartments. Yeah. And that could have been her real girlfriend. Yep. Yeah. I think yes, yes. right. Okay, and so that even, makes, that, okay. even that re- reference of we we uh, traded apartments to me saying we broke up and I went back to living somewhere else and she stayed. Okay, at, I yeah. didn't get that. I thought the yeah, that's interesting. And then you they, do and you do. I don't. You do remember when they went to that house? They went in and there was a dead body. In that was there. her. That was her. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, do you think? Okay, so if they saw her dead body. Was that her? Like. Because it's like a loop. I know. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yes. and I, I it's wasn't like trying foreshadowing to, or something like that. When you were talking, I wasn't trying to be rude. Looking no, at my you phone. Um, I was just trying to see the the cowboy quote about counting visits. Um, like I want to know how many times the cowboy showed up because I want to know what it means. Like, but the cowboy thing felt like it was just the cowboy was directing Kevin. Uh, Adam, I think. Adam, Adam. Oh, I'm thinking. Okay, yeah, right. Adam to pick someone, but what was that representative? Like, why the cat? I mean, Cowboy was a cool character, right? And he was kind of, he's really like what the way he was talking. It felt like you're watching a Twin Peaks episode. Oh yeah, the dialogue from the cowboy was, and the way the guy said it, you just, it was just oozing David Lynch, right? You know the way he said and talked, and it was kind of cool, but like. Yeah, I don't get So at the end, I'm jumping around, I know. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, okay, so the girl gets in a car accident in the beginning. Oh, can I bring up that real Yeah, quick? bring real that up no, because I want to know. I so here, I'm like, still going to go saying? with the idea of youth versus, uh, you know, elderly or old and stuff like that. So you still have, you have, uh, I don't know, is she Rita? Whatever her name is. You know, you have the main actress uh, in the car. Camilla. And, Maybe she is. You know, she is Camilla at the it's end Cam- of the film. At yeah. the end of the film, she is Camilla. Camilla. So she's she's in this car and they're going up. Uh, they're I think I think they're going up Mulholland Drive. Drive. Right. Yeah. So they're going up there and then the the guys get out and they're gonna looks like they're gonna kill her. That, yeah. Which is again a loop to uh, at the end of the movie she's putting out a hit for her in some way. So yes. you, can, you kind of loop. But anyways, that's yeah, yeah. my point. I better get to my point. My point is what what it's it's these young people that get them to a car accident, and to me, it's again this idea of that the young will strive and they will take over. And I may yeah maybe I'm you know maybe I'm that's a good too uh, deep, but that's a good metaphor because we have them screaming like oh yeah. they're all so excited, and then you have and yeah and I think it's always that fear of that you know. You know, at least in, the, in this in in this industry, that it's always going to be the young that are going to take the place of the, of the, the uh, old. uh, older people and stuff yeah. like that. So at least that's what I took out of it. I mean, she survived, but it, and everybody else died. But I still kind of. <laughs> <laughs> and and but then, yeah. But then at the end of the movie, you know, they have to hit on her. But then, you know, at the end of the movie, it's Naomi Watts is in there, and they it looks like they're going to kill her. And then they open the door, and the other woman's out there, and they, oh, you're coming to the party. <laughs> and then she sees that she's with the director, and then she's with this other blonde. Yeah. And who was the the other blonde was originally the one that was supposed to be cast. She was the girl that yes. was supposed to be picked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I read some theories that 
that maybe Norman Watts was with this woman at one point, and then this other girl became her new new girlfriend. If you want really simple with it, sure, but sure. maybe I mean I can maybe see that. she never was. Maybe it was all. Maybe this is all just a fantasy this whole time because she was just washed up, and maybe she right. did have. And if maybe she was in love with this woman, but maybe she was in love with this woman because she wanted to be her, but maybe she was never with her. Like right. she was in love with her from afar. Right. She looked up to her. Yeah. I want yeah. to strive to be like her, and she just couldn't do it. Right. You know. This is very depressing. Thing yeah. About. Yeah. And uh, like to go back to the old people. What did they crawl out of? They crawled out of they something. They crawled out of a box? No, they were under the door. But I'm they crawled out of the door, but they came out of something, and they became big, and they chased <laughs> I was also thinking she was she was having a mental breakdown. Mm. She was probably a user. She looked like a drug user. Which kind of goes back to was she that same drug girl with uh, That's, yeah. with the guy you know, we know him yeah, as Jacob right? from Lost. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, also, I was thinking... Um, you know, the the drug addict mentality could have been she felt like everybody was laughing at her, hmm. and maybe it was her family. She felt like ashamed. I'd rather kill myself than be ashamed, than have my family laugh at me. And maybe that fam that that they they represented the family, or they represented uh, like your theory with the old and young. Mm-hmm. And I guess it could just be it all. It could have so many things, you know. Yeah. So I saw it as. Um, if she was a drug addict, it's so it's like her family's laughing at her, and she's hmm. just like, "Get away from me! I, I I can't be around you!" And she shoots right. herself. You know, that's how I took it. But I mean, yeah, I guess you can go so many directions with oh, that. Oh yeah, and that's what yeah. I love about Lynch films. I mean, yeah. it's so they they're all about interpretation. I mean, there is no yeah wrong answer. I guess no. Really. I, I mean, we we got a great quote from David Lynch, which we'll, yeah, we'll have to play at the end of at the, the end of the show. show. We'll yeah. talk about more, but I I think it was really good. It actually hearing the quote from David Lynch, not to get into it too much, made me feel comfortable after watching this movie because I'm like. Am I stupid? I don't get that. What what's going on? I mean, I enjoyed it, and I I think I appreciated it more because of Twin Peaks. Um, I I know people who saw this movie who didn't like it, but also they didn't care. They don't. I kind of feel like if you watch Twin Peaks and you're a David Lynch fan, mm. you're gonna like this movie. Right. Even if you don't understand it, you're gonna enjoy it, and you're gonna be like, "Wow, I like the different things he did." But I feel like someone who doesn't know David Lynch. Uh, and is not into this stuff, might watch and go, I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. This is stupid. And I I totally get that. But, I mean, I kind of feel like Twin Peaks set me up for this movie. Sure. I feel like if I watch this movie first, and this was my first thing introducing to David, I'd be like, I I don't know what to think, you know? (laughs) So, you know, Michael J. Anderson, who played the little man from another place, he Mm. was in this film. Why was he in this film? He was interesting. I yes. mean, he, he was taller than uh, he was in Twin Peaks because he had. Was uh, that the Red Room? No, I don't think so. <laughs> but it was a Red Room. Oh, too funny. And then we. And then, so you asked about the the guy who was uh, drinking coffee and spitting it out and stuff like that. Yeah, because he was. Well, they were trying to get money, right? And these people were hired to say they didn't want a specific people in the movie, and I think that's why Adam was pissed off. Yeah, 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 right, right, right. And I, I read that when he came and he smashed the car window, that was a direct, almost a direct thing that happened in the news with Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson took a golf club and he smashed this guy's windshield. I've heard that, yeah. And that was um, kind of 
take they took that from the headlines almost like sure. that was uh from that and and all i want to say about the guy who was spitting out uh about spitting out coffee <laughs> his was cappuccino yes his cappuccino he's uh, uh angelo bat badmenti and he's yes. the he's the guy that does the the whole soundtrack for Twin Peaks. So, oh, really? So just to put you in that that's that something cool. that you know he's he's worked with David Lynch before. He did Blue Velvet. He's done other films with him and stuff. So yeah. it's kind of interesting to have somebody who's usually behind the scenes mm. actually being in front of the camera and spitting out a cappuccino. <laughs> right? Who spits out? Coffee. You usually just swallow. Even it. Cooper spit out coffee. He's like, damn hot. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> but, You're right. But, yeah, but that was like but, a spit take. This was yeah. more like a dribble out of his mouth. It was so gross. Oh yeah, but that's why I love that because it's so odd and you wouldn't. It was yeah, odd. I yeah. mean, yeah, I love yeah, that. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, I had a lot of favorite scenes and dialogue from this movie, and I, you know. I'm very interested to hear uh, the guests we have on today, what, yeah, so, what their thoughts were about this film. So Maya is coming up. She's yeah. uh, she's from the Twin Peaks Fantic blog. And uh, yeah, so when we come back, mm. we'll, we can talk with her a little bit about Mulholland Drive. Yeah, so we'll be back right after this. It's kind of embarrassing. Go ahead. I had a dream about this place. Oh, boy. You see what I mean? <laughs> okay. So you had a dream about this place. Tell me. Well, <clears throat> it's the second one I've had, but they're both the same. They start out that I'm in here but it's not day or night. It's kind of half night, you know? But it looks just like this, <laughs> except for the light. And I'm scared like I can't tell you. <laughs> of all people, you're standing right over there. By that counter. You're in both dreams, and you're scared. I get even more frightened when I see how afraid you are, and then I realize what it is. <laughs> There's a man in back of this place. He's the one who's doing it. I can see him through the wall. I can see his face. I hope that I never see that face ever outside of a dream. All right, we're back with Maya from Twin Peaks Fantic Blog. Hi. Uh, Hi, Maya. Hi, guys. How you doing? Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Good. So we're talking about Mahan Drive, and uh, we'd love to hear what you think about the, the film. Well, it's one of my favorite Lynch films, um, and I pretty much interpret it as mostly a dream. Hmm. <laughs> the whole thing or parts of it or? Uh, well, up to maybe about 70, 75% of it, up yeah. until where uh, Betty wakes up in her not-as-nice apartment. <laughs> yeah. <And laughs> you interpret it the same way? Um, do you, well... 
when the in the beginning of the film when the camera's going down to the pillow do you think that's when it yes. goes to a dream yes i feel like she's going to sleep and then it begins Oh, okay. It's yeah, funny. Yeah. Yeah, I just realized when you were saying that too. It also could be that, you know, is there some kind of thing where we, you like you, uh, you know, your life flashes before you before you die. In a way, she is kind of like. It seems like the pillow is her about to be dead. Like she shot herself at the end of the film, and then maybe we see the pillow, yeah. and that she's she's you know landing she's, on the pillow. She's or, seeing her whole life go. Or is, or she or, is or she, what it could have been. What it could have been maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe what like what. Yeah, what it could have been. It could be. Yeah, that's just. It, She's, I feel like she's wrestling with her her conscience in the dream. Hmm. Yeah, and do you have a favorite? Did. Do you have a favorite part of the film that you like? Uh, I love the part when they're in the theater and they're singing the silencio. That's my favorite mm. part. I feel like, um, you know, it's kind of spooky, but it's also kind of beautiful in a way. Yeah, so it I, really is. I love that scene. Yes. Yeah. Um, did you guys hear? Well, I read about how David Lynch recorded that when uh, the woman's singing, and without her knowing, like he he hmm. had her try out, and he recorded it, and then that ended up being in the film with some minor adjustments. They said, um, but like it was a recording. I I don't know who the woman who was singing, but. Yeah. I thought I read somewhere. Yeah. I mean, Lynch is very well known to be like, okay, we're just going to have a practice one. Just Let's just yeah. practice. And, and, he, and he does film it. And then he's like, you know, I like that take. Let's just go with that one. It, yeah. It, that's it, usually the best yeah. one. Yeah. So that's something. And so. Well, it's a great scene. Yeah. yeah. It's a really cool scene and stuff. And what do you interpret? I mean, we, there, there's a lot of strange things. There's a there's like a bum at the beginning outside the outside the <laughs> restaurant. Or what do you, what do you make of. Of that character, I mean, I guess it comes back at the very end. I think yes. it's one of the last twice. Yeah, at the end and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, I, I, I can't. I, mean, <laughs> I feel like you can't be a hundred percent sure with David Lynch, but yeah. I, I don't know. Like, kind of what you had said that part of the dream felt like maybe it was her life reflecting. Hmm. I don't. That that figure could have sort of been like maybe the devil or. Something of that nature. Yeah. yeah. But I did think it was interesting that, like, so you you see this character, and then you kind of go back to Rita, and Rita is basically homeless as well. Like she's she's yeah. outside the complex, and it's like it, to me, it's parallel. It's like you see this yeah. character out near the trash, and then all of a sudden you go to which was originally seems to be maybe a movie star who's now just outside, uh, you know, living on. Uh, on the behind the street, yeah. What was the name of the diner? Yeah. Wiggly's. Oh, uh, Winkies. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Do you, what do you feel about the guy in the diner, Winkies? The, the the dream. The guy with the dream. Does that have anything really? Is a foreshadowing of the movie in any way? You know, I can't say. It could be that she she put him in her dream because she saw him and realized when she was making the arrangement to kill Camilla oh. and it kind of comes back right. you know in a dream it comes back in a weird way it's yeah. not quite or in and he was talking about a dream in the scene so it's almost like her conscience telling herself it's a dream I feel like there was a lot in the movie where she's trying to tell herself this is not real you know right this is all just a dream yeah well, yeah I never thought of that that's cool and um, I was telling I was telling Brian that I felt like this movie was really just about 
kind of a washed up actress or somebody who wanted to be an actress and she never got mm-hmm. the part and and I think you know she always fantasized about being this other woman or yeah. or even just you know just having getting you know being a great movie star and it never really happened and stuff and I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think she kind of got she kind of got used by Camilla and mm. the director and kind of felt like rejected and I guess wanted to killer yeah. in yeah. between love and hate what do you think about the um we were we were discussing the uh the old people well we thought were maybe her aunt and uncle but they look like grandparents because in the beginning of the film it just i don't know they seem too old to be the aunt and uncle. i don't know who do you think they are and what do you think that was represents, represents at yeah. the very end when they're chasing her little people the, the little yeah yeah well i don't again i, I feel like I can't, you can't say for sure, you know, and that's kind of the fun of it, but I always kind of felt like they were the aunt and uncle too. Yeah, yeah. But, and I feel, I don't know, I mean, sometimes it seemed like in the movies she was, it's amazing that there was maybe like a a sexual molestation or something oh, in her yeah. past, and so maybe them laughing at her was like, you know, getting to Hollywood was like her big escape, and she mm. was like a big failure, and... You're yeah. kind of saying that in yeah. some ways, Brian. I think, yeah. Right? Yeah, and I interpret it as that, you know, it's, especially it seems like with women actresses, once they get too old, they don't have, you know, they don't have a career anymore. And I kept on thinking maybe it's 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 the fear of being old and yeah. that, that they were chasing her. And I don't know. That so, could be. Yeah. I'd love to hear, I mean, I don't know, if, I'd love to hear about your blog and about what, you, you know, you're doing with uh, the Twin Peaks uh, finance. I can't even speak. Fantic. <laughs> Fanatic. Fanatic. Thank you. Fanatic blog. Tell us about your uh, website. Tell us about your website. Well, you know, I'm a big Twin Peaks fan since I was like a kid. So I just, I'm not, you know, I don't do fan art. I don't do podcasts. So writing is kind of my thing. And mm. I felt like a blog was good for me. And I'm kind of trying to time recapping the episodes. And thank you for that. I love it. <laughs> oh, thanks. I, yeah, I, have to, I look back on it when we, because we're so ahead, and then when we finally start catching up, I'll read one just to refresh myself, because oh. I, I have to. Re- I, I, there's so much to. I'm like, oh yeah, that's going on. So, so many <laughs> characters. And so yeah, well, it's taking me a while, but hopefully I'll have it all done between the or when the new episodes air. So. so how how often are you are you posting? I try to post a couple new things a month. Sometimes I can do more, sometimes a little less, but I'm going to try to get like one recap done a month and then I kind of have uh, flights of fancy, so I'll do sort of standalone pieces, maybe like on a character bio or a theory on something in the show or so maybe something silly just to have some fun and Cool. It's been fun. Cool. I mean, I've been really enjoying it. Yeah. And you you also you have I think you've done Mulholland Drive too, haven't you? I thought I used to um, I did a post, uh, kind of just like a fun post about my feelings on each of his movies. Mm. And, uh, yeah, Mahal and Drive, it's, I love Fire Walk With Me probably the most because, um, you know, I love Twin Peaks. But Don't so, spoil Drive, anything because Brian doesn't know anything I about it. He, he has no idea it. about anything yeah, about it. Yeah, I know. So. I'm okay. behind. I still, I still can't believe he doesn't have anything to know. About. I, you don't know about the timeline either, do you? No, but, no. Okay, so that's good. I know that's nothing. <laughs> but, yeah. How ble- far... Um, uh, how far along are you in the series? Right now, we've 
I mean, we're we're gonna blow the lid off the podcast right well, now. We kind of reset at the beginning of the episode. You did <laughs> yeah. say this was a spoiler episode. Yeah, we I we just did a recap on seventeen and eighteen. Yes, episode seventeen. So, 18, yeah. for the public, I mean, the public, I think we're only at like 11, 12 Yeah, right now, yeah. But we do, we purposely get ahead so that if we can we, do these we, cool episodes. We can do the yeah right. We have more time for for interviews. We have more time if somebody gets sick or yeah. if we have vacation or yeah. We just like to get ahead. So yeah, you're yeah. a little past uh, the solving the mystery of Laura Palmer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the podcast, but I know who the killer is, and it stinks because we're not going to pick up till January. Start. I'm gonna start watching it around Christmas time again. Tell them not to. Tell them okay. not to watch. <laughs> well, no. I mean, I'm gonna watch two episodes because I kind of watch them and then we do them. No, so. but you've been doing so good when you I know, when I you know. wait. If you just no, I'm wait. gonna stay with it. I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait. <laughs> but it's, that's why I read your blog because it does refresh me and I think it's uh, well written. But here's I, what I happens: if he, if, he re- if you want if you start watching ahead, it's gonna be you're gonna be like, oh, Wyndham Earl. I know. I know about Wyndham Earl. <laughs> Five episodes. <laughs> been, I can tell you all about Wyndham Earl. I know. I, I I'm not gonna go ahead. Ahead. I'm not going right. to go ahead. I'm going to stay with us. We but, should focus back on, on yes. uh, Maya here. I have one more question, Maya. Um, the cowboy. We, do, we didn't talk <laughs> about the cowboy. Um, yeah. I thought the cowboy, I was so intrigued by him, and I love his dialogue when he meets, I think it was Adam. Um, mm-hmm. The director, right? The director. And yeah. so what do you get out of the cowboy? Like, what do you think his... <laughs> His, is that like is that like the dream guy? Because the, the guy's like, I had a dream twice, and this cowboy's like, if you see me twice, you've done bad. I mean, what are your thoughts? Well, in one part, I feel like she has the whole part of her dream where, where I think it's a dream where she is imagining the director being under all this duress to take the other actress, and I think that's more like pleasing to her conscience in a way. Yeah. But then you see at the end at the party where she's with, you know, she finds out that they're going to get married. She sees the cowboy in the background. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like he stands out in such a weird way that maybe that's kind of how he wormed his way into the dream. But I don't know. I mean, what are your theories? I don't know. Okay, my theory <laughs> my theory is that, like, she creates this world uh, where she can't deal with the fact that she didn't get this part. And so she makes up this conspiracy that um, there's these people in the studios mm. that uh, that forced the director to pick this other person over her. Right. And so, right. Gotcha, so, yeah. so yeah. So if anything, it's it's just a character there for part of the conspiracy. So I mean, I keep it as simple as that. I don't I don't <laughs> think about. I know you're talking. We're talking about like how many times did the cowboy come by? He said he was gonna come by twice. And I was like, ah, I, I put my hands up. I don't know what to say about that. But I yeah I, yeah yeah. At the same time, it's it's very twink. Twin Peakish, you know, it's very it odd, and I love it. Yeah, and and then you, you know, you have the, uh, I call it the red room. I know it's not the red room, but the room <laughs> with the red curtains makes an appearance. Right. Very similar, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, which uh, is kind of cool. Mike, you know, Michael Anderson, who played the little man from another place, has yeah. got his own little space there. Yeah, I really was hoping for more from him. Actually, I was hoping more from the two poli- uh, police officers yeah. when they see the. Um, the car accident, and they're like, someone yeah. got away. Someone's I, missing. Someone's missing, and I'm like, oh, we're gonna be following these two. If, if and it was you never t- see them again. If it had been a TV series, maybe every week we would have had them getting clues and yeah. stuff like that. But since it, it I think it, so. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was like, oh, is this Cooper and Cooper Jr.? They're gonna go around <laughs> tracking down the killer, and and I wonder, like, if it had been a series, which would have been really awesome, but yeah, if it had been all a dream, and you found out after like eight episodes it was all a dream, like. 
I don't know. Would that feel like a jip in some way, or feel like you got? Yeah, I, I, know? I would feel like it could be a jip. Yeah. Well, New, Newhart did that already. That's true. Because <laughs> when he and wakes so, up, it was all a dream. Right. Right. But, then, well, so. the, the, the reason that worked, though, was because... <laughs> it's a comedy? <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a comedy, and B, he's referencing to another uh, uh, show. A new heart comedy. So yeah, in a way, uh, yeah, you're, yeah. You're all, yeah. we're all in the joke together and yeah, stuff. But yeah. yeah. I mean, I think there's been a few shows out there that have basically said it was a dream, or I don't know, was it St. Elsewhere that it was a Oh, they were a in a globe. They were in a, yeah, a snow globe snow or something globe. like that. Oh, boy. Yes. I never saw that one. But. Oh. And 30 Rock, it was all... It was all in a, um What? I haven't seen the last episode. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That's all right. I don't care. Um, yeah. Very cool. Spoilers. Um, but, yeah, um, I think – what else? It's a great movie, though. Yeah, it really yeah, is something. Yeah. It really is a special movie. And I, and I, had you heard that um, Sherilyn uh, Fenn, who played Audrey, there, there was talk about doing a spinoff with her, like, you know, a, an Audrey spinoff. And I think it was loosely kind of based on this whole idea of her going to California solving mysteries and stuff. And it seems to me Lynch was probably thinking about it nine years later and yeah. then actually comes up with this, you know, TV plot. But yeah, I'm sure he was. Uh, you know, I think his mind works in very interesting ways. It does, and he, uh, he's comes with somebody that he'll think about it, think about it, and it could take it could take a long time for him to actually then say, "Oh yeah, I had this, I had this idea yeah. about a log girl, and I think it would be <laughs> yeah. really good now if we bring the log lady into Twin Peaks." And I mean, that was a racer head, and now here we are, you know, yeah. years later that he's like, "Okay." In the log game show, the log lady game show, <laughs> game show, well, not the game lady. show, but it was the a log... game show, but it was like, yeah, it was, it was like to me, it was like a PBS show. Yeah, where yeah. It was like. Uh, with every branch, however it was, but yep. yeah, he had a TV show <laughs> based on the log lady or yeah. log girl. But uh, well, Maya, I think we're running out of time. But I want you to uh, pitch your blog. Tell us where we can find you, and uh, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Uh, it's TwinPeaksFanatic.blogspot, and you can also find me on Twitter at uh, at TwinPeaksBlog, or also on Facebook for TwinPeaksFanatic. Cool. And uh, thanks. Thank you for calling me. Thank you. And, you know, yeah, you've, thanks you've, for being on the show. you've been a great supporter of ours. I mean, I'm always uh, – we're always, uh, you know, tweeting, and, and I know you're on Facebook. Yeah, we see you on Facebook. And we see you all the time. So it's, it's you great. You guys are great. Yeah, and you're I've something – I've been else. enjoying your podcast a lot. So cool. keep up the good work. Thanks awesome. a lot. Thank, Thank you for you. coming on. Beautiful evening. Yeah. She want to thank you for coming all the way up here to see me from that nice hotel downtown. No problem. It's on your mind. Well, now, here's a man who wants to get right down to it. Kind of anxious to get to it, are you? Whatever. Man's attitude. Man's attitude goes some ways the way his life will be. Is that something you might agree with? Sure. Now, did you answer because that's what you thought I wanted to hear? Or did you think about what I said and answer because you truly believe that to be right? I agree with what you said. Truly. What'd I say? That a man's attitude determines to a large extent how his life will be. So since you agree, you must be a person who does not care about the good life. How's that? We'll stop for a little second and think about it. Can you do that for me? 
Okay. I'm thinking. No, you're not thinking. You're too busy being a smart aleck to be thinking. Now I want you to think and stop being a smart aleck. Can you try that for me? Look, where's this going? What do you want me to do? There's sometimes a buggy. How many drivers does a buggy have? One. So let's just say I'm driving this buggy. And if you fix your attitude, you can ride along with me. Okay. I want you to go back to work tomorrow. You were recasting the lead actress anyway. Audition many girls for the part. When you see the girl that was shown to you earlier today, you will say, this is the girl. The rest of the cast can stay, that's up to you. But that lead girl is not up to you. Now you will see me one more time if you do good. You'll see me two more times if you do bad. Good night. All right, we're back with Joel Bacco, and uh, he's from the dancingimage.blogspot.com. Hey, Joel. Hey, how are you guys doing? Good. Good. So we're talking about Mulholland Drive. We'd love to hear what you have to, what, what your thoughts about it. Like, what are what are your theories? What, what do you think of this film? Uh, well, Mulholland Drive was definitely the movie that like made me fall in love with David Lynch, which I think mm. is true. I'm you know 31, about 18 when that movie came out. And I think that's true for a lot of people my age. Like, we were too young for Twin Peaks, hmm. definitely too young for Blue Velvet. Yeah. Um, but that was kind of the movie where it just took everybody by storm. And I think it's interesting, too, that that film that kind of transcends, like, being sort of a, being like a David Lynch fan or whatever, because uh, if you look at the list, they've come different critics, pop what is number one? Like that's usually listed as the number one film of the 21st century, hmm. um, in terms of the praise that it's gotten. Uh, you know, it's it's really proven itself as a classic for the ages, like Citizen Kane or uh, Psycho or you know any film like that. So yeah. I think um, you know there's a good argument to be made for it being David Lynch's masterpiece. And I saw it when I was uh, I think 19. I saw it on DVD like right after it came out, and I think somebody kind of spoiled people for what's pretty much the primary interpretation of the movie. Uh, they said, okay, well, they were telling somebody else, and I was kind of overhearing them, and they were saying, just remember, the first, you know, uh, the first two-thirds of the movie are a dream, or something like that. Hmm. And so it's like, oh, okay. And it still leaves a lot open for interpretation. <laughs> yeah. But I think I went into it with that mindset, and I've always kind of had that, and sometimes I regret it. Yeah. Because I'm like, it would be kind of fun to have worked my way to more of a theory or whatever but you know at that time it was that was definitely sort of the framework i saw it in and i think there are people who will argue this there are people who feel it's much more ambiguous and that's doing a movie a disservice but i think more than he usually does david lynch tips his hands quite a bit in the movie i think Hmm. the shot of her falling onto the pillow at the beginning and just the almost direct one-to-one relationship between that first two thirds and the final third 
Um, and I, you can sp- put a little bit of a spin on it, say it's an alternate reality, mm. or it's just her imagination. She's not literally, like, she isn't literally falling asleep and we're seeing exactly what she's dreaming. And yeah. It doesn't have to be that literal, but it does seem to me like the first two-thirds of the movie are a sort of idealized reflection of the reality that's in the last third of the movie. Yeah. But if, if you want to, like, decode it, so to right. speak, which is probably a word that Lynch would hate, <laughs> then you look at that last third, what's going on, and you say, okay. Now, I, I was going to say that, I was gonna say that show, another theory Another theory could be that, I mean, as we were kind of talking earlier, <laughs> could it be that... Uh, could it be that we see the pillow at the beginning is actually when she shoots herself? And could and it, she's falling? Is she, she's, she's dying. Or dying. Or dying. Yes, right. That's another one I've heard, too. Yeah. Right. And so that's instead, kind of the same idea in a yeah, way. Yeah, instead of a dream, it could be like she's, she's kind of she, – yeah. there's regret and she's kind of looking back on her life and saying, you know, this whole thing is really her reviewing her life and yeah, the regrets looking she back had. At, instead of a dream, yeah. maybe a, like – the first last 10 seconds of her life or I don't know yeah something like your that. life flashes before your, your eyes, eyes. Yeah. yeah exactly so I think no matter what the and no matter how you kind of read it there's this general sense that the last third is, is reality hmm. and the first two thirds is her like mythologizing it almost. yeah yeah like hmm. turning it into this larger than life sprawling story where her character is different and, and good and you know doing the right thing and, and all of that. So that's yeah. sort of the, I think that's the takeaway most most people seem to have. But I hope you get someone on your show who has a totally different reading because there are some out there that are pretty interesting. Right. And when you make, I mean, so this was originally a TV show. It was originally going to be a pilot for ABC yeah. and you kind of wonder what would have, what would the show have been like if it, if mm. it hadn't been a movie? I mean, you would it, Brian and I were kind of talking about this too. Like, would it have been a dream in the end or would yeah. it, or, or would it have just become something different? I mean, who knows? But, uh... Yeah. Well, we know a little bit, uh, and this is, you know, um, making a lot of assumptions, but we do know a little bit what that might look like because of Twin Peaks. Um, very yeah. different circumstances with this. For one thing, he didn't have a Mark Frost here. It was just him. I think yeah. there was a woman who helped him write the first draft, but she doesn't even get credited, so I'm assuming they threw a lot of that out. And she wasn't. She certainly was not a co-creator or executive producer, and I wish I could remember her name right now. I can't. But, uh, you know, there was no Mark Frost figure. Hmm. Um, In other ways, it is very similar because you have a pilot that's setting up all these different mysterious goings on in this this locale with a central mystery. Uh, In this case, you know, the identity of this woman. Um, And uh, Brian probably established this already, but basically everything up to the moment where they put put on the wigs, with yeah. the pilot, more or less. Mm, There's stuff yeah. that was taken out, little tweaks that were made, stuff that was added in. But for the most part, what you see is, uh, for, to my understanding, what the TV pilot was. Mm. Yeah, I heard that. Um, yeah. And then the the makeout scene, uh, well, no, what am I talking about? They're actually having sex. <laughs> the sex <laughs> yeah. scene, um, between the two of them uh, was shot for the film. Uh, that's not something ABC oh, would yeah. have yeah. And uh, you can actually tell when you look at it, there's a sharper look to the cinematography. Hmm. Um, everything, it's the same cinematographer and everything, but it looks a little different. And I recently found out, I, I, I can't 100% verify this, but the person seemed to know what they were talking about, um, that apparently it was shot, uh, the, the TV pilot stuff was shot in the usual 1.33 like, academy ratio, like what TV used, you know, the square frame that TV oh, yeah. used to look like. 
so they actually cropped it, which kind of surprised me. Um, it makes sense. He's turning it into a film. He more or less has to do that, but not something Lynch would usually do to alter his image like that, you know? Um, so you can kind of see, I always feel like that last third is like the most beautiful and cinematic part of the movie to me. Like, I love a lot of the stuff that comes earlier, Yeah. but there's just a certain quality, like when they go up the hill mm. and, um, you know, they, uh, the, the lights are, I, I can't remember the name of the effect, but the, the lens, the, the, um, the lens that they're using, just all of the points of light are like oh, yeah. diamonds almost. It just yeah. looks gorgeous. And uh, right, it's it a lot of close-ups and very subjective. A very different look from the TV show. So you can kind of see stylistically where it changes into a film. And of course, uh, in story terms, um, other than the sex scene, all of the other stuff that was shot for the film is the stuff after, you know, of them opening the blue box and all the stuff that comes after. Mm. And then the Silencio scene is a pretty much uh, an equivalent to the Red Room scene in the show. Yes, in yes. That it was shot as a closed ending for the pilot. It doesn't actually resolve anything. Hmm. Um, analogy I like to make, and you'll understand this better when you get to Firewalk with me. Now it's going to seem kind of vague. Yeah. Is It's as if they took the pilot of Twin Peaks, they put um, the stuff, maybe with Mike and Bob, but probably would have cut that out and definitely the red room sequence and just sort of attached that to the end of the pilot and then transitioned into the final maybe half hour of firewalk with me. And I think the similarities you're seeing without giving too much away, like the psychological underpinning of all the kind of mythic, eerie, unexplainable stuff that was happening earlier. Hmm. Uh, and I think that's very much the case yeah. with Mulholland Drive. He basically retconned the pilot and turned it into being all about this one woman's story and how all the other stuff we see is almost kind of a manifestation of uh, her trauma. And in this case, it's a trauma that she is largely responsible for in some yeah. ways, or at least that's the surface. There are other people who interpret more, you know, maybe she was abused by her grandparents, and that's why they're, like, running into the room. And those, yeah. those characters are running into the room at the end. I think Maya was bringing that up yes. when we spoke with yeah. her, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. I thought she might because I thought I remembered her saying that. Like, that's, that's an interpretation a lot of people have. But the concrete thing that we can pretty much get from it is she was like a no-name actress. She fell in love with this um, more established actress who was, you know, her romantic partner for a time. And then that actress left her for this director. And she was mm -hmm. jealous. She had hit men. And she said, he said, you know, um, if we're, okay, we're going to do this, and the sign that we've done it is this dinky little blue key. And the thing I love about the movie, and I feel like this sums up so much of Lynch and what he does, is you have this, this little key that's dyed blue, this just chintzy little thing, and it becomes, in her imagination or whatever, it becomes this, like, mythic object that mm -hmm. almost seems beyond explanation, like a Kubrickian monolith or something, oh, you know, yeah. this weird blue-shaped thing that they stick into the box. And it's just, yeah. it's kind of powerful to look at it and say, in a way, that's what this little blue key really was, because what it signified in her mind was the ultimate betrayal she'd made, um, not just of, you know, this, this woman that she had loved at one point, but also of herself and her potential and, you know, yeah. her hope and everything she might have had at one point. Yeah. That's so it, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. So, so you know, that's basically... No, uh, Joel, that's where... Thing. The uh, the blue key. That's where I was trying to. You, you reminded me. 
for me, when yeah. I set up Blue Key, that's when it hit me because it's on the coffee table when her mm. her ex girlfriend comes in and says, "I want my yep. stuff," and I remember seeing the Blue Key, and I'm like, "Why am I seeing that Blue Key?" And yeah. then you go to the next scene down the road, and the guy's like, "You're gonna see this Blue Key on your t- table, and that will tell you I did it," and that's yep. why she takes her exactly. life. Yeah, mm. but what? Um, to go back, what you're talking about when it was yeah. shot, I read the same thing about the TV show and how they mm-hmm. shot all that. So David yeah. Lynch, um, when the film was delivered to the movie theaters, he actually put a handwritten note on all the reels saying to lower the um, the projection because because of the ratio was different. If they would have kept it the same, everyone's head would have been crapped off. So he actually, they said that he put a handwritten note to all the projectionists mm-hmm. saying, please lower the projection, your friend David Lynch. Mm. And all he had like the specs and they would lower the projection. Oh, that's weird. So okay. the blue box, uh, when she picks up, she puts a key in and she opens it mm-hmm. and it, it perceives like you're going into the box. So what do you take it? What do you get out of that? It's very I mean, surreal, the, you know. I think the the key the well the key thing about that for me is is the key. Um, mm-hmm. I think you know the blue the blue box. I think David Lynch is quoted as saying in catching in his book Catching the Big Fish, I have absolutely no idea what the blue <laughs> blue box means. <laughs> I heard that too. But I, heard that I think too. it's ba- it's it's just basically a visualization of the secret okay. that All you right. know the movie is about, and it's you're entering into paper. that secret. <laughs> And the the key, and you know, it's the obvious significance uh, is that it's this this secret is opened by the blue key. Okay. Yeah. And All right. there's a real blue key in reality. And then I've also heard it interpreted as you know the box is death. The blue key opens death because it signifies that he's killed her. And, hmm. That's interesting. And things like, like that. that yeah. So it's it's a very abstract thing. I think it's it's almost more about like a feeling. Um, okay. You know, like you're now entering into the the key mystery of of Mulholland Drive with that I, yeah. I like that and yeah, it's sort of sense. like the um the briefcase in Pulp Fiction you know you open the <laughs> yeah. briefcase and you don't it's just a light right. and that's it what's the mystery you know that's sort of okay I I, I like that um I never really kind of got it but I yeah because he's a painter and it's all about the, it's all about visual associations and what they evoke in you. Yeah. I think versus like this has a literal meaning in the screenplay. This movie. Um, another good comparison is um, the the ceiling fan in Twin Peaks. I think it's yeah, just this, this object that evokes dread, and you do mm. see a little more about it. Um, well, I'll stop there. No, this movie made me think about him being an artist. This oh, yeah. movie made me feel like very abstract. I felt like I was looking at one of his paintings. And when I went to do some research about it, I really felt like, you know, yeah. he paints the way he makes movies. He, mo- he makes yeah. movies the way he paints. It's just right. like, I have an idea. I'm going to do it. And um, it might It, it all might started with he, he thought, wouldn't it be neat to have my paintings move? And that's yeah. really yeah. what really I felt I was watching, yeah, yeah. a moving painting. Yeah. And, and I think it's significant, too, that he doesn't really do totally abstract paintings. Like, they're always, even though they're very exaggerated and kind mm. of sometimes almost childlike they, they have figures in them and they have objects mm. Mm, that's a good and point. it's the same with his movies like he does make narrative movies right he just makes them in a very different way where the narrative is almost like a device to Lynchian. get you to, to to a feeling or something it's it's not you know 
Yeah. It's not just an illustrated plot, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Any thoughts on the cowboy? What what the cowboy represents, or why he's in the film? Or... Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a tough one. I mean, he. I guess if I wanted to draw a Twin Peaks connection, he reminds me a little bit of of the little man from another place. Hmm. Because. It isn't entirely clear if he's a good guy or a bad guy. That's true. He kind of seems to have his own purposes. Um, I've heard people read him as like he's the authority coming in and correcting this young, you know, whippersnapper director who thinks hmm. he knows everything and, yeah. you know, sort of shows him what's what and how the universe works. And then I've heard other interpretations like, no, he's the voice of, you know, he's sort of an oppressive force bearing down on this guy's creativity and telling him what to do. And he's representative of you know the power structure of Hollywood, so so uh, I yeah so that's, <laughs> maybe that's a cop out, but he feels to me he's not like a Bob or one of those figures that you know okay this is like pure evil or this is pure good or whatever. Yeah. He's sort of an ambiguous controlling force, um, and I mean if we want to you know talk about the whole dream thing, he he basically makes it someone that just passed by at the party hmm. that she saw and then she put into her dream, you know. Hmm. Um, but, you know, yeah. you can also look at when that happens. Um, she sees the cowboy at the moment where, it's, as I recall, it's like the moment in the party, I might be wrong about this, where she basically loses Camilla. Like it becomes clear Camilla is marrying this director. Mm. She's out of her life. And Camilla basically brought her there to humiliate her. Yeah, yeah. So it is significant that the cowboy shows up in, you know, the dream or the other reality or whatever you want to call it um, to kind of almost have revenge on that director and tell him, you know, here's what you're doing. It You're doing it this way. You're going to take Camilla, a different Camilla in the dream, and you're going to mm. do this and that. And A, it's a way of kind of, you know, having a little bit of revenge on the guy. That's sort of the petty the petty explanation for it. But also to the extent that she identifies with the director in her dream, it's sort of a manifestation of her feeling of helplessness at that moment, you know? Yeah. It's interesting, Joel. So that's kind of the psychological reading of it, yeah. I guess. Joel, it's interesting you took the take that the cowboy was almost kind of helping – Camilla, Camilla, Diane, what's her all her names? Betty, whatever name, her, whatever name she has. But and it's funny how I has interpreted that maybe the main character, uh, Betty Diane, uh, created. Yeah, I, I kind of took it as that she was making an excuse and had this whole conspiracy. The reason I didn't get the part was because mm. there was this film studio that said, no, the director wouldn't allow me to become right. the part. Right, exactly, yeah. And I kind of took There's, it that way. And that's kinda, another aspect of it, too. Yeah, so, like, she wants yeah, she wants to try and justify why she's not a famous yeah. movie star. And then, of course, on another level, we do, you know, to the extent it matters, and, you know, David Lynch says it doesn't, but it depends how you look at it, it, it does. Um, when he wrote it, there was, I'm positive, there was no dream interpretation. It was, you know, this is a real actress in Hollywood. She's going to audition for this guy. And chances are, if episodes had continued, I think they said they didn't have a story arc worked out, but there was enough of a sense that she was probably going to have a romance with this director and all this mm. other stuff. So I think the trajectory that it was when it was written, to the extent that there was one, probably was more along the lines of he was going to defy the cowboy. And there would probably be re repercussions for that and, and everything like that. 
It sounds you know? good. Yeah, there was a there was a, a mm-hmm. New Yorker uh, uh, piece. With, yes, with, that's the one I that's read. That's when you're thinking, think right, 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 where there was a romance. And it's interesting in that piece it talked about that uh, ABC didn't seem that they really liked Naomi Watts or or uh, the other actress there. That was kind of like I don't know if they're the right part. So it seems like I don't yeah. know if this makes sense. Why then? Yeah, and she was not really well known at all at that point. Yeah. I don't had she been a major no part she, no in any American film not at all no this is this she was big, yeah thirty I think. Yeah. So she'd already been around for a little while. But it seems like I don't. I mean, I we, we can't say for sure. But it, I wonder if David Lynch mm-hmm. heard the, got those notes from ABC, and then when he was making the movie, decided to say, "Oh, you know, the the studio wants me to pick this girl, and let's add that in there." Yeah. And stuff. I don't know. It makes total <laughs> sense. Yeah. Well, I don't know. That's that fascinates me because it's almost like because I'm pretty sure that was all in the pilot to begin with. Okay. Oh. So it's like almost as if. He was predicting what was going to happen That's to the funny. project based on his experience with Twin Peaks and I on mean, the was, air and yeah, right, all I mean, those other frustrations. Yeah, it's, I'm still kind of amazed that like he kind of I think he probably he felt screwed by Twin Peaks and then he still did uh, yeah. on the air for ABC as well. And mm. so to do yeah. that and then come back a third time and be like, oh, it's going <laughs> to no, it was like. What what were either of them expecting at that yeah. point? Like, thank God he did, because it ended up right. with this great movie. It's true. But I, it's so hard to believe that it was like, yeah, ABC, David Lynch, getting back. But I think that also puts a lot of perspective on why he left this spring, because he's been through the grind so many times that he just, I think he just feels, listen, it's 100% my show or yep. nothing, yep. period. Yeah. It's yeah. true. I don't care if I even change things and you don't like it and you want to stick to the no, like... I can do whatever I want, and if you tell me otherwise, this isn't going to happen because I've had my heart broken too many times already. Totally. Well, you know? I think that's a good place to end it. I yeah, mean, I, we, yeah we, we, definitely. But thank you for your time. So, Joel, um, for November, do you know what you're, what, some things you're working on in November that, like, for your blog? I mean, like... um, Well, every month I try to do at least one post Twin Peaks related. And actually, that's a good question because I just started something for fun um, It'll show up on the blog, main blog eventually, but right now it's on the Tumblr, which is lostinthemovies.tumblr.com uh, lost um, with a dash between each, you know, lost dash, in dash, so forth. Yeah. Um, I'm doing, like, uh, it's called Twin Peaks Out of Order, where I'm watching from my least favorite episode to my favorite <laughs> episode. Just, wow. Just for a new novel way to look at the episodes and see if I notice new things, and I'm doing a little comment after each one. That's that is cool. something. Um, so there's, like, a tag on the Tumblr for that. And um, also on Doug Poe, I'm doing the same thing on their episodes thread. It's just the same post replicated. That's so fun. that's kind of fun for people yeah. who – and I, I, I guess I just started doing writing some analytical things on Tumblr as well. You know, they tend to call it uh, meta, hmm. so yeah. Twin Peaks meta. Uh, I've, I've been doing some of that, so I'm having fun with it. Um, that's, that's probably actually the best place for people to get a steady diet of, of Twin Peaks stuff from me. Because cool. the blog, I post three times a week, and usually only one post a month is is Twin Peaks. But on the Tumblr, I put up at least three or four pictures every day with links to videos and nice. little pieces. And and that out of Twin Peaks out of order thing will probably be going through October. So that that could be a fun thing for people to check out. Oh yeah, great, that's awesome. Well, and, th- and think for Reddit, uh, we're more active oh, on yeah, Reddit because of you. Too. I like to comment on there. Yes, <laughs> yes, thank you. 
Awesome. Well, thank you, Joel, for your time, and, and we'll have to have you on again. I think we're planning on you coming on for the, the killer show. So for when we reveal who killed Laura Palmer, you'll be on that show. Yes. Oh, be... yeah, we have to pretend we haven't recorded that yet. Yes. <laughs> You're breaking the fourth wall. Oh, no. Yeah. No, right. When that comes, when, when that, comes that day up. comes, I'll be there. Yes. And that... I'm, really, I'm really looking forward to, to uh, Firewalk with me eventually. Okay. Yes. And you know, on that killer episode, yeah. we should have you as, as the third host, I think. That would be... Yeah. I think you're going to be the third host. Yeah. I'm going to predict. I'm trying to remember something that we said. <laughs> yeah. Uh, excellent. Uh, cool. Well, Thank you, lot, Joel. Joel. All right. Great talking to you guys. Yeah. All right. You too. Later. Bye. Bye. Nice wallets. Hand-stitched Italian. Filled with phony credit cards. Off the two guys in the caddy. The one of them still alive? Yeah. It's just, uh, well, Dr. Scott's got him. You remember Dr. Scott? Oh, yeah. Well, he said, uh, well, you know, in his way. You know what I mean. Besides a guy getting rolled up under the kid's car, which busted him up pretty bad, there was this little knife-like torn piece of metal, you know, from the car body rolled out, slid up through the guy's neck, and just kind of slit the carotid artery, you know. But they didn't find it right away. So the guy's losing a lot of blood, you know, to the brain all this time. Because it's just like this thin little puncture wound on the surface of the neck that just kind of sealed itself, he said, while uh, inside the carotid artery's bleeding pretty steady all that time. So anyway... Dr. Scott's laughing, you know, like he does, because he knows we want to talk to this guy. He's laughing, you know, and shaking, and some of it can't stop laughing, and it's, well, it's kind of contagious, because pretty soon we're all laughing. I mean, the nurse is laughing. You know how he is. Find out who they are? No, not yet. All right, we're now here with John Thorne, co-creator and co-editor of Wrapped in Plastic magazine. Hi, John. Hey, how are you? Good. So, you know, I wanted to start off by saying that I think the last time we spoke, I said I had one issue I was missing out of my Wrapped in Plastic collection. There was just one issue left, and this past Saturday, I got number 56, which (laughs) happened. Which happens to be uh, where you where you guys reviewed Mahalan Drive and uh, Naomi Watts uh, interviewed. So I mean the coincidence there <laughs> that I got this and Crazy. now we get to talk to you. Um, yeah, yeah, no, that and that's uh, you know that's one of my well, it's, it's definitely one of the, the better issues I think. And, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, the interview with Naomi Watts is, is easily one of my favorite interviews uh, for various reasons that we ever did. Just a really good interview. Awesome, and it, you, uh, I th- I th- was it Craig that uh, actually uh, did the uh, review of of Mahone Driver? I mean, I always think of everything as both of you guys doing uh, the art. Yeah, you know, uh, I uh, typically I did most of the Twin Peaks stuff. Uh, Craig wrote the major part of the review of Mahone Drive after we discussed it at great length and you know hours and hours and hours and, and compared notes. And I think I probably added some sections to the review. I can't remember, but sure. I think there may be parts of it that were mine, and then he kind of, you know, smoothed it all out. Totally. So, so it, it was, yeah. yeah. 
and 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 the review actually starts off with David Lynch's new film Mulholland Drive is a dazzling work and one of the director's best movies, perhaps even his very best. Fourteen years later, what do you what do you think of the film now? Uh, well, you know, it's interesting because um, I haven't seen it in quite a while. Now, I, I, I did get the Blu-ray, the Criterion Blu-ray, and I was watching the supplementary material, yeah. uh, and it, it just reminded, brought back so much of the movie to me, and uh, we just, uh, you know, remembered how much I really, really loved that film. I know for a while there, I thought it was his best film. Mm. Uh, and so, I, if, if it's not his best, then it's Tied, you know. I hard, you know. It's hard for me to pick, depending on the day of the week. I, you know, I prefer one film over another. So, but I do think it's it's an outstanding piece of work. Awesome. Do you want to talk about? Since you mentioned the Blu-ray, uh, you you got it. It came out yesterday. Yeah. What do you think of what you've seen of it so far? I'm extremely, extremely happy and very surprised, actually. To be honest with you. Um, uh, you know, Lynch has always been hesitant to do any kind of audio commentary uh, mm. on any of his films. And, the, you know, in the past, the stuff we've gotten that's sort of extra supplementary material has been, um, you know, good but not great. Uh, and so I really had kind of low expectations when this when this came in. And mm. maybe by the, the you know standards of other Criterion releases, this doesn't have as much. But by the standards of other Lynch releases... I think this is maybe the, the best supplementary material I have ever seen. And I, wow. I point particularly the behind-the-scenes footage, the, 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 the video they got uh, of Lynch at work and seeing Lynch working with the actors and some of these very, very intimate scenes where he's talking with Naomi Watts. I mean, that, I've never seen anything like that. That's I've never priceless. Yeah. It is. It's priceless. And it was just, it was really remarkable. I was just sort of just, you know, in awe of it as I was watching it last night because, uh, you know, we, I've heard so many stories from people who work with Lynch and, and you know, have talked briefly with Lynch about how he works, uh, but, you know, never had the luxury of being on a set. Mm. And this is the closest thing we're probably, most of us are ever going to get to being right there watching him work. And man, that was just outstanding. Wow. Worth it. That the whole thing was worth it for that alone. Uh, the, the interviews that they did with Lynch and Watts and Justin Thoreau and Joanna Ray, far more than I expected them to talk about the film. And so that was just great too. Awesome. Yeah, I think it was, it was like 90 minutes of, of footage or something wow. like that. I mean, like of extras or something. But uh, that's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Now, you had brought up, I think, uh, last time, too, about that New Yorker uh, uh, issue, uh, September 6th, 1999. What a great article. I did find it, and I think Brian and I both, you know, we read it. I mean, there's so much yep. really great detail about the pilot and the behind the scenes of trying to make that pilot. Um so I last yeah. last time, John, you mentioned also also the New York the New Yorker uh, Creative Differences September sixth, nineteen ninety nine article, uh, which was a great article talking about the making the pilot and how it, it didn't come about. Um, what do you have anything to say about that? I mean, you 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 actually did watch one of the pi pilots, didn't you? Yeah, 
I, you know, I think I've seen, to be honest with you, I think I've seen both versions of the pilot. Wow. I, I honestly can't remember the short version. Uh, I, and I may have it and just skip through it because it wasn't worth looking at since it was just sort of the, you know, chunky, you know, shortened version. I have seen the full version of the original pilot, the one mm-hmm. that ran two hours and five minutes or whatever. Right. Yep. Um, so, um, I was impressed. I was amazed how much of the film. I mean, how much of it was still kind of in the film. I mean, like there was. A, I mean, a good portion of it then did go into the actual the- theatrical version. I mean, a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen it? Have you had a chance to see it or no? So uh, I, Brian and I got to see the eighty-eight yes. minute version, which actually, oh. you know, which is not good because Lynch considers that the the butchered version of of. Uh, of the I pilot. was excited. I found it. Um, I went on the web. I went searching on the web and I got my hands on it, and we got to watch it before we got to talk to you. Um, so it was kind of exciting yeah. to see it, though. You know, I enjoyed it. Right, right. And, of course, that's the version that he did not edit. I think someone edited that for... Oh, no, no, he did edit it, but he edited it according to the way they wanted it. They just yeah, and wanted he wasn't it. happy. They gave him a bunch of, bunch of, here's what you got to do to it, and he did it just in hopes he would get it picked up. Yeah. Um, but I have seen the original version, the one that he completed and gave to them, and, uh, you know, that, that's got some pretty interesting stuff in it. That, uh, you know, most of it, most of it gets wrapped back up into the film, but there are mm. a few things that are, there are a few scenes that are gone, and there are a few characters I think that like I think if I recall correct, it's been a long time since I've seen it. But you remember uh, at the end of the film, Naomi Watts goes to the dinner party, and she sort of got someone she's sitting next to. It's sort of like they assigned her a dinner date. The guy, mm. or maybe. Uh, I can get this wrong, but there was a guy in there. They recast him. He's, you know, in the film, but in the pilot, he had a different, he had a different role. He had a, there was a small scene at the very end of the pilot. I think Adam Kesher goes back to his house or something, and he's got a roommate and huh. and or something like that. And there's another guy, yeah. and they're just being. And there's some stuff like that. Yeah, and the New Yorker oh, mentioned yeah. something about a boy on crutches or something like that too. Yeah. Which, yeah, it seems very. Yeah. Odd or, or strange. And what about the ending? The, the version you saw was that with the ending for well, the I UK? guess there was like a, uh, well the, uh, the version we saw it ended with a bum out the bum uh, out outside. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think that is the same way it ended. I'm pretty sure it ended that way in the full version as well. It was sort oh. of like a cliffhanger. So yeah. you want to tune into the next episode to see what happened. Um, and also, there was another. Yep. There was another character, too. I know, like, uh, Betty goes outside the apartments, and then there's a guy playing a saxophone or something up on the roof, and he talks down to her huh. for a little bit. There's a little exchange. I can't remember. There's some interesting stuff. You know, and, and, you know, very interesting stuff to look at for sure, but nothing that was vital, and um, obviously what he ended up making from most of the pilot and then the additional material he shot was just superior by far to even that finished Lynch-directed pilot. Oh, yeah. And they also, it, it seems similar to Twin Peaks. I, I guess he shot footage for a European version. Do you, do you know anything more about the European version of Mahon Drive? Did they actually... Wow. Even, yeah. No, I don't know anything about that, actually. I, I'm not aware of that. Very good. Well, 
Um, are you in that in that issue fifty six? You guys also analyzed. You, you guys actually broke it up to two parts. It was kind of part one review with no spoilers, and then part two had some spoilers. And I thought one of the tidbits that I really liked was you talked about uh, the phone conversations. And just first, I thought it was really odd watching this film now and saying, "Look at all these 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 pay phones and the, yeah, and the yeah. cords and stuff." But then in 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 your uh, in your analysis, you guys mentioned about which I missed was. Uh, Near the end of the film, sort of near the end of the film, uh, the real character, what is her name? Uh, Betty? No, she's not Betty. She's Diane, I think. But Diane. Diane. Diane Selwyn. Yeah, uh-huh. she she gets a she gets she, she gets a phone call and she doesn't answer it right away and it gets to the answer machine and the answer machine is the same answer machine that uh, for when she was Betty and um, and yeah I can't think I get mixed up with the names but it was yeah. interesting that like they, they went full circle yeah. and it was like really it was she was listening to her own phone her own message. phone message. Right. Which was kind of cool, and I can't even think about it with the knocking of the doors. Like, could they be? Could it have been them knocking on the door that we hear at the end of the movie too? It yeah. seems like we go f- full circle in some ways. And... Yes, I mean, uh, again, I, I, you know, I, I was going to try to watch the movie before I talked to you, and I just didn't get that far, and so I, for, uh, you know, apologize for not being no. as quite up to speed on it as I oh, should be. But um, you know, well, I mean, you know, because there are a lot of little things like that that are worth investigating and exploring some of those, you know, echoes and those hmm. repetitive uh, things. And, uh, you know, they, they're definitely fascinating because they do open up different interpretations. And um, unfortunately, I can't remember some of the details about those specific ones. But, yeah, clearly the stuff you, you, you know, if you, if, you, if you accept the interpretation that the majority of the film is a dream and that's mm. the first part of the film, then the things you see in that second part, uh, you know, you obviously reinterpret what you've already seen, the dream imagery that you've seen. Now you start to see, you know, what was it in her real life yeah. that she, you know, was uh, experiencing or was reimagining so that it was better for her. Right. So, um, yeah, yeah, good stuff. Yeah. I mean, one other thing. Uh, so in issue 66, uh, there was a, a guy who wrote a letter, and he said he had re- he had read an interview where Mark Frost said he has suggested the title Mulholland Drive to Lynch. Have you ever heard – does that make any sense? Have you ever heard Mark Frost being the one to actually uh, get um, – Well, you know, I don't know if it was Mark Frost. It, it, I, I, you know, I vaguely recall I – do, I do recall that. It might be the letter I'm recalling yeah. uh, or – I don't think we asked Frost about it. I'm surprised we didn't. I should go back and look at that. But, you know, even, you know, on this new Blu-ray, mm-hmm. uh, Lynch is, uh, is interviewed. I don't know if you've seen some of that supplementary material, but he's interviewed with Naomi Watts, and he mentions that, that the Mulholland Drive idea was initially a spinoff of Twin Peaks. Yeah, that's... And so I think, you know, Frost might have had some some contribution and I think, you know, right. without getting, no one knows for sure, and they yeah. probably have forgotten themselves, but I think the idea, uh, and we've heard this before, that Audrey was going to go down to Los Angeles. Mm. She would have been the, the brunette character, or she would have had some experience in Los Angeles. It wouldn't, and Mulholland Drive, I think, you know, was going to be the, the idea. And Lynch, I think he says in this, in this supplement that, you know, the only thing that stuck was the title, Mulholland Drive, everything else was gone, but, yeah. you know, and I think that's really, in some ways it's really important to, to think about, and maybe 
part of why I appreciate the film and like the film so much is that I do think it, it is deeply related to Twin Peaks. And, and not just because they initially thought, oh, you know, we're going to do a spinoff. But mm. I think because it was a pilot that got turned into a film, um, because, you know, Lynch was bringing in the idea of an ensemble with a, an ongoing story, which, of course, he had to, you know, he had to shorten. Um, and then, of course, the idea that, you know, like Firewalk With Me, I would argue he got stuck with one particular, um, uh, you know, problem, mm. and he had to sort of reinterpret it um, using, I would again argue, dream imagery. So, yep. I, you know, you know, going on and on there, but I do think that, a study of Mulholland Drive is valuable if you're also, you know, looking closely at Twin Peaks. I think it, it's important to, to, you know, know that film. Totally. So, I, I, g- going away from Mulholland Drive, when we last spoke, you had mentioned you were thinking about compiling uh, wrapped in plastic magazines into a book. What is the status on that? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I've been working on it now. I think I'm in my tenth or eleventh, you know, solid week of. of doing that. It became a bigger project than I expected, uh, but uh, it's, it's going great. I mean, it's going real well. I've got a lot of material, and uh, yeah, I'm uh, taking from Wrapped in Plastic uh, primarily, uh, I think, the, the most important Twin Peaks-related material, so that it's, the whole book will be about Twin Peaks, nice. and it's essentially using the episode guide uh, the very detailed episode guides that we did um, as the core of the book, and then taking um, anything that we wrote, say, in the Unseen Twin Peaks uh, yeah. about a particular episode. Not just everything, but the right. important, you know, we, we looked at every little thing they did. I'm taking it up. There's only two really important deleted scenes, but I'll just take that material, hmm. put that in, and, you know, with that episode. And then, of course, any interview material that we have that would relate to that episode, uh, I am... You know, putting so that when you get, you know, get it, you look at the episode, you get kind of everything we ever did about that particular episode all together in one place instead of scattered over 75 issues. Um, and then in addition to that, I've got three or four, I think, pretty good essays primarily about Firewalk with Me. Hmm. And so those kind of close out the book. Nice. Uh, you know, talking about, you know, the, the, the Laura storyline, the, the Cooper storyline, and then some odds and ends. Cool. That sounds great. I, know, I can't yeah. wait. And and are, are you hoping uh, 2016 to have it out? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, it really is interesting to, to be doing this because, um, I, you know, initially I thought oh, it was going to be pretty simple to do. I'll just take the material and I'll sort of <laughs> reassemble it. And cut and I'll, paste, I'll, cut I'll, and paste, yeah. But it, it is not that easy and for many reasons. Um and so I'm trying to kind of smooth it out, polish it, doing a, a lot more rewriting than I expected. So in many respects, sort of a 2.0, uh, you know, on some of this stuff. And uh, uh, so it's taking a little longer, but um, so at the end of October, and really the whole draft is done now. All the mm. content is done. I just That's really awesome. need to get in there and, and, you know, make sure all the – Bibliography information is correct. Notation is correct. You know, all the everything is, you know, in good shape. So yeah, early, you know, early, mid, early, twenty sixteen is the cool. goal. That's awesome. I can't wait. And, and uh, you, well, well, I hope you'll you'll come on the show and uh, 
and 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 promote it and talk about yes. it when when it's done and stuff. That'd be really cool. Oh, no, would love to. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So uh, the last thing I'll say is that um, <laughs> I didn't mention this. I think the last time we spoke, but you know, I'm I've been I'm in several wrapped in plastic uh, issues. Uh, full circle. I, full circle in some ways. Yeah. So I I I I wrote something about Firewalk with me in issue uh, six, and when we spoke uh, on the when we spoke uh, like on the phone, uh, I found out that in number uh, yeah no. Yeah, number 14, I guess I did a pen pal section. I didn't even remember this until John brought it up that, that there's a, you guys put together a pen pal section and I put my name as though I want to reach out to other people. Did you get anybody? Yeah, I think I, you know what the funny thing is? I was looking, I was looking at this and everybody, I think that w- there's probably five or six of us that that, uh, wow. that said we wanted to communicate with each other. I think we all spoke to each other. I think I, I got letters from them and I wrote to them. So yeah, it was, That's cool. it was pretty cool. And then I think, uh, it, yeah. What's that, John? You know, I was just going to say, it's interesting. I'm, I'm sitting here with, you know, all this research material in front of me as I've been working on the book, and I just happen to have issue six real handy, so I, I just flipped it open and see oh, your letter. Oh, no. It's really... Oh, from... uh, you should read it. No, no. Well, let's, <laughs> say, let's save it for Firewalk yeah, right. with me. Yeah, so that was, what, that was 1993 you sent us that, so oh. there it is. So I think That's I was... Uh, what's the, how old was I? I was probably I was probably like 17 or something like that. That's but was, cool. It was very goofy. Like, it was just... I, I, I couldn't accept the way that they had had done some of the movie and I wanted to reinterpret it. So but when we get to that Fire, when, we get to, okay. when we get to that movie I'll talk about. And then I in uh, number 13 I was one of 10 winners of a uh, of a contest. You guys did contest and uh, I got a signed uh, uh, Mark Frost uh, wrapped in plastic issue, uh, an issue number nine, which was a Mark Frost issue. Wow! So it's signed. I mean, that one's that's that that is collector a, a collector's item for me, yeah. though. But uh, so that's pretty cool in a way that I don't think I brought that up in our last time we, you were on the show that I actually was in <laughs> wrapped in plastic. <laughs> Too fun. Yeah, I'm, and that's so fun. I just pulled out 13, and now I'm looking, <laughs> looking at that, and there, sure out there you are. <laughs> you, you won one of the uh, one of the caption contests that we did, where we we asked people to come up with some sort of funny or interesting dialogue right. to fit one of the pictures, and you won uh, for the uh, the famous uh, funeral picture where they're all standing yeah. there at the funeral. And I'm reading your comment oh, now, boy. and uh, it's pretty dark. <laughs> I must say it's pretty good. I see why you won. Oh so. yeah, I, I I look at it now and say I did not follow the rules at all. I I did my own. I think I was I was supposed to do captions for each character, and I think I focused on Dale Cooper. What but was see, the caption? I mean, look. So they're, they're uh, um all the characters are at I, the funeral. What's that, John? Uh, yeah, it's yeah. You 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 got a Cooper line for the funeral, and I I can read it if you want. Yes. Uh, yes. I guess so. It's well, pretty you, you may remember they're all standing there. Uh, you know, I think he's got he's got Norma and Big Ed and Nadine, and they're all kind of looking somber. And Cooper is prominent and off to the right. And uh, the dialogue you have for Cooper is, you know, this. Excuse me, is a damn fine funeral. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's too funny. That's, that's a good one. Goofball. Wait, but... there's more. I can't tell you how many funerals I've gone to in my life, and this is one of the best. <laughs> oh, too funny! Well, I was honored. So I, it was it was pretty cool to be uh, one of, of of ten winners and to be able to get a signed Mark Frost uh, wrapped in plastic. I it's something I've definitely treasured for a, a long time. Good, good, yeah. good. I'm glad. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. We would do that. We would get an interview with someone, and um, we'd we print the magazine and finish the finished copy, and we'd send them. I don't know. I think we'd send like twenty copies. And Craig was always really good about this, hmm. and he'd. He'd say, you know, would you mind signing 
you know, you keep as many as you like, and would you mind signing a few for us and sending them back? And Craig would go all out to make sure it would happen. So what he did wow. was he would he would get the envelope, the return envelope, addressed and all the correct postage for the full weight of the mm. magazine. He wow. included include a marker. He'd send the marker <laughs> too, so that when they opened it up, wow. all they had to do was literally sign it and put it back in the envelope. And it was all ready to go. So That's we, smart. We made it, Craig, he really was the one. He made it as easy as it could be. And I will tell you that everyone sent them back except Jillian Anderson. <laughs> Jillian! <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> That's funny. And then we had somebody contact us with copies of wrapped plastic signed by Jillian Anderson, and they wanted like $25 a piece, and they were selling out there on eBay or Aww. wherever they were at some convention, and they were the ones. She signed them, but... I handed them to an assistant or something, and they Aww. never got back. It's no big deal, but we never did get our signed copies of uh, <laughs> Jillian Anderson. We should send them out and say, you still owe us here. Well, and was, that, was that for Spectrum, or was that – I couldn't remember if you did the interview for uh, Wrapped in Plastic or, or for Spectrum, the other magazine. You know, I, I can't remember. You know, okay. that's, that's a good question. I can't remember. I know we she, uh, Craig did the interview with her. It's probably in Spectrum. I don't oh, yeah. think it's in Plastic, but that was a great. That was a great issue too. Yeah. Yeah, but we did have X Files on the cover of one issue of Wrapped in Plastic. I think it's number twelve. Mm. Yeah, I'm looking at it now, and I think that's what he sent to her. Awesome. Hey, yeah, Jillian Anderson interview is in Wrapped in Plastic number wow. twelve. So that's we interviewed awesome. her in number twelve, and uh, yeah, so she signed a bunch of those covers of Wrapped in Plastic twelve. Which, by the way, went into three printings. The first printing that sold out immediately, so it's, it's a collector's item. And uh, <laughs> somewhere cool. out there, there's ten or so signed copies floating around somewhere. And so, how many reprintings did you do? It's interesting because I mean, I remember when you were thinking of the first re reprinting, uh, the first issue. You guys weren't sure if you guys were going to do reprints, but you did end up doing reprints of of several issues. Uh, the only reprints we did were one which we, you know, put a slick color cover on and we had uh, uh, some new pages to. Mm. And then uh, issue number uh, 12, which, you know, I think we were the second, the first or second magazine to have X-Files on the cover. We kind of hit right, awesome. at, yeah. the, at, the, nice. at the right time, and X-Files was just blowing up, and we were on the stands with this cover with an episode, guys, an interview. And it just sold out instantly. So we went to the second printing, it sold out, we went to the third printing, and I I don't even know how many of those ended up. But, you know, that sold a lot of copies. And then, it, you, and then you had a whole section that, I mean, uh, part of Wrapped in Plastic, a whole section where you guys, every every issue would have an, uh, information about X-Files, which I was a fan of X-Files, so I enjoyed having Twin Peaks and... and i got to read these. Yeah. Man. Well, you know, I mean, that was partially an economic decision, too. I mean, to be honest with you, we, we, we liked X-Files, but we had no, uh, not nearly the same enthusiasm for it as we did uh, for uh, Twin Peaks, but... X-Files was huge, and of course, there was the similarity, you know, FBI, Supernatural, and then Duchovny was, you know, in both shows, mm. and so it seemed like it wasn't too much of a stretch to put three or four pages at the end of every issue, and I think it just helped us, you know, keep producing Wrapped in Plastic so we could keep writing about Twin Peaks. Cool. 
Well, I think that's it. I think I mean I, I thank you for your time. Yeah, thank and, you. Uh, I really appreciate it. And, and uh, I I still haven't gotten the Blu-ray of uh, Mahalan Drive. I got to go pick it up, especially after oh. uh, the rave review that you said about yeah. Uh, yeah. about it and stuff. So I can't wait. Yeah, absolutely. I I gotta tell you, I was uh, again. My expectations might have been a little low, but I'm very impressed. Especially if you you know I I've been studying Lynch for 25 years, and mm. to see that footage of him uh, on set was. Yeah, as you said, I think golden. It was absolutely fantastic. Cool. So. Well, thanks so much, John. I appreciate your time, and I, I hope I really do hope we get to talk to you when it comes time for a firewalk with me because I yes. I really think you have a great take on the film that uh, is is I've never heard anybody else you know theory about this. So I hope you can come back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah oh well, I, anytime you just let me know. I'd love to, I could talk about firewalk with me uh, forever, <laughs> probably. I bore you to death with that. So yeah. Uh, then you just let me know, and I'd be happy to talk about it. Cool. Cool. Thanks, John. Thanks, John, and uh, thank you also to Maya and Joel for being on the show. That was a yeah, great show, Yeah, thank huh? you. It was an awesome yeah. show. Cool. So that's it. Uh, how do? Uh, where can people find us, and how can they contact us? And, uh, well, our Twitter. We're very popular on Twitter. I think we're... What's our new... Uh, we have, like... We have over 2,000 uh, followers. Yes, that's awesome. That's awesome. It's Very, so good. Thank uh, you so much for supporting us, and uh, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, share with your friends. And we're at Twitter at Twin Peaks Unwrapped, and we're on Facebook at Twin Peaks Unwrapped. And you can email us at TwinPeaksUnwrapped at gmail.com. Yeah, and we're also, uh, you can also find us TwinPeaksUnwrapped.com. I mean, that's another place to find our... our everything. Everything, yeah. Yes. And... If we are on iTunes, we are free. You can subscribe to us. You can rate us. And let's make a Twin Peaks podcast in the top 50. I look at the ratings now. I have a web page. I check it out every week. And sometimes I do see Twin Peaks podcasts up there. Once in a while, I, uh, names I don't know. But uh, I'm waiting for us. There you go. There. So I'm excited. And, and, but I did notice we do have popular episodes that are listed on the iTunes. Oh yeah! Like it gives you a little bar. It's real. It doesn't tell you uh, statistics, but it's just certain episodes are very popular. In I iTunes. bet you the UK uh, Twin Peaks yes. Fest is probably one of them. Yeah, that was a really very good, popular yeah. episode. Well, cool. So I think probably next week we'll be back to. Uh, no, actually, do we want to highlight what next? Week yeah, is? we can give a little preview. Next week is going to be um, something that you're going to be going to only because. We can't ruin it for myself, but next week you're going to be covering and having interviews with people from... So, Brian, uh, the event that I'm planning on going to uh, next week is Keys Open Doors, The Hidden Life of Laura Palmer. And uh, this is an event that's happening at uh, at the Mass Mocha in North Adams, Massachusetts. And uh, I'll be interviewing some band, uh, the, the main band, uh, a place both wonderful and strange. They'll be... Nice. Yeah, they're, they're really cool. They're actually one that put this whole thing together. And so it, I feel weird. I was thinking about this the other day. It's like, I hope I never do a show without Brian. <laughs> Why? And, and then... Oh, it's, it's yeah, great. Yeah. It's great bouncing things off of you. And it's kind yeah. of strange to... I'm not kind of disappointed I can't go because it would ruin the movie for me. Yeah, because... Right. So what's happening is that this event, there's all this music... Um, and there's also um, film footage of Firewalk With Me going on yeah. at the same time. So there's a lot of really – I mean, I'll, we'll talk more about it next week. Yep. But, uh, yeah, it would be really cool. I wish you could make it, but, right, you'll, you'll spoil it for you. But so. what the cool thing is, once I watch, watch the movie, I can go back and actually listen to this episode. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, I so yeah. I can listen to one of our own episodes that I wasn't on. Right. And 
Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. And, yeah, and, the, and these keys open doors uh, events they they've been uh, they've happened in Brooklyn. They've happened all over the uh, you know all over the place. So that's I'm sure awesome. another event will come up real soon. So, cool. So, so after yeah. after you've seen the movie. Yeah, yeah. So that's next week. So yeah, I mean I'll I'll be there. And uh, if you come, maybe we'll run in, run into each other if you, if you can make it. That'd be cool. <laughs> nice. That, I'm excited. I'm excited so, for you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> so uh, how do we want to end this show? So. I, w- I would like to end this show, and, you know, after watching Mulholland Drive, I felt kind of stupid. I- I'll be honest with you. I was like, this movie is heady. I don't know what I should think. Are, do, you know, if I, are my opinions any valid because I have no clue about what things are going on here? Yeah. I felt a little insecure only because, you know, this is a Twin Peaks community. People have their opinions about this movie. And oh boy, what if my opinions are wrong? What if, what if I'm missing something? You know, I share the same thing. I feel the you same know? way. I'm, I've seen this when the, the movie originally, you know, in theaters and stuff. But I'm like, it's like, oh, at the beginning of this podcast, did I really not make any sense? And people are gonna like, you know, tear me apart. Yeah. And I think it was great to have other people on here to at least give their opinion to kind of share. And and what they think of the film, but yeah, yeah, but, yeah. What did, you got a you've got a clip that you want to share. Yeah, so you know, I I was searching around before we did this podcast, and I was kind of panicking. I was like, oh, oh, I I, I need something to uh, solidify things I thought, but then I realized I don't need to do that. Um, I found this really cool video clip of David Lynch explains the ideas of Mohan Drive, and I will will end the show with this clip. It's on YouTube. Um, it's just a woman saying to David Lynch was doing a Q&A session saying, I saw Mohan Drive with my son, and we were confused. And, Mo- and David Lynch gives the perfect answer. And then for me, when I heard David Lynch say it, I was like, all right, whatever I thought, just be comfortable with that. Because cool. there really is no right answer. Yeah, and, for a movie. and, and I love and, David. And Lynch. you can say that about all of his work. Yeah. I, mean, I feel I feel that that's that's how he feels. He, he's an artist. He wants you to interpret it your own way. Like I'm very passionate about Lost Highway. I'm probably way off on what I think about it, but for me that that mean it has great meaning to me. And I'm sure yeah. if you when you you've seen it, and when you and other people see it, they're gonna have their own interpretation of it. So yeah. it's really cool. That's cool. And yeah. I like the fact that he 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 won't uh, come out and say what anything means. He really wants you to have that mystery mm. of what do you think it means. Totally. And I love that. I think he'll, the day he passes, he will pass away with all these secrets. He's never going to pass. Well, that's true. <laughs> he will never pass. He will be immortal forever. Right. But I mean, he, his work will stand the test of time, yeah. will be debated and t- discussed and talked about and picked apart. And I think that's great. Totally. It won't be a lost book where he's just going to be like, here's all the secrets. You know, you know, talking about books, we, we got to end this podcast. <laughs> yeah, we this podcast is way too long. But, you know, he did just uh, announce that he's doing a memoir book that he's working on yes. right now. And I think he – I forgot how it was phrased, but that, like, he's basically going to um, basically get – you know. All the BS that was written, BS. written about him, he's right. straightening it out. Yeah, so I'm really excited. That's that's a, a good read. I'm ready to read that. So we'll leave you with David Lynch explains the ideas of Mohan Drive. And we'll be back next week. Everyone have a good one. Thanks.
loved, her name was Mrs. Powers, and um, in my senior year of high school, uh, during the final exam, she came uh, up and down the aisles as we were taking the final test, and she put her arm around me, and she says, don't worry, David, I'll get you through. <laughs> I just squeaked through. <laughs> just a minute, I'm not quick. <laughs> I say the idea tells you everything. Lots of times I get ideas. I fall in love with them. Those ones you fall in love with are really special ideas. And in, in some ways, I always say when something's abstract, it's, the abstractions are hard to put into words. Unless you're a poet. You'll meet a poet a little bit later named Donovan. But, um, these ideas you somehow know, you know, and cinema is a language that can say abstractions. I love stories, but I love stories that hold abstractions, that can hold abstractions, and cinema can say these difficult to say in words things. A lot of times, I don't know the meaning of the idea, and it drives me crazy. I think um, we should know the meaning of the idea, and I think about them, I think about them. And I tell this story about the, the, uh, my first feature, Eraserhead. I did not know what these things meant, and, you know, really meant. And on that particular film, I started reading the Bible, and I'm reading the Bible going along, and suddenly, there was a sentence. And I said, forget it, that, that's this thing, that's this thing. And um, so I should know the meaning for me, but when things get abstract, it does me no good to say what it is, you know. It's better, all viewers on the surface, we're all different. And we see something, and that's another place where intuition kicks in, and inner knowingness. And so you, you, you see a thing, you, you think about it, you feel it, and you go and you sort of know something inside, and you can rely on that. And another thing I say is, if you go after a film with holding abstractions to a coffee, you know, place, and having coffee with your friends, someone will say something, and immediately you'll say, no, 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 that's not what that was about. You know, this is what, you know, and so many things come out, it's surprising. So you do know, you do know, for yourself. And what you know is valid. Thank you. You guys. <laughs>